During the summertime when the weather gets hot, I can only imagine how much time you plan to spend outside with friends and family or on your couch with that AC blasting. AT&T 5G and home internet keeps you connected, whether you're at home or on the go, so you can stay connected to your loved ones and to your favorite things. Whether you're sharing pics from the best rooftops, video calling your friends from an outdoor concert, or streaming your favorite show, episode after episode after episode. So connect at home or on the move with AT&T 5G and home internet and create memories and more all summer long. AT&T 5G requires compatible plan and device. Coverage not available everywhere. Learn more at att.com slash 5G for you. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Guess what, Mango? What's that, Will? All right, so this is just a tip in case you ever find yourself in the Netherlands. <laughs> do not try to play hide-and-seek in Ikea stores there. It's totally banned. What? But Ikea seems like the best place in the world to play hide-and-seek, like with all those beds and closets and houseplants. I know, and I've got to <laughs> say, Ikea's been cool with so many things over the years. I mean, they've accommodated giant sleepovers. One time they allowed 100 cats to be released in a store just for the fun of it. <laughs> And in Shanghai, when 70-year-old widows and widowers started using the free coffee as an excuse to pick up singles, IKEA actually blocked off corners of the store for them, you know, just so they could flirt a little bit. <laughs> kind of cute to think about. Sweet. But when over 30,000 hide-and-seek fans signed up on Facebook to play a massive game, that's where the company drew the line. <laughs> in fact, here's the official statement. I, let me find it here. Martina Smedberg gave this to Bloomberg. It says, we need to make sure people are safe in our stores, and that's hard to do if we don't know where they are. <laughs> I mean, she kind of sounds like she's anti-hide-and-seek, but she's really just, you know, against these 30,000 fully grown humans hiding in her of store. Of course she is. <laughs> but reading about that policy made me curious about all the non-human things hiding out in Ikea, and that's what today's show is all about. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Mangesh Hotpicketer. And today we're talking about IKEA, how the company got its start, the secrets hiding in those flat pack boxes, and a whole lot more. But before we begin, we just wanted to say a big thank you to all the people who've taken the time to write such nice reviews about our show and all the people who've taken the time to email us. Seriously, thank you so much for listening. I know. It's funny, like, especially in contrast to what we talked about last week, all those one-star reviews of the Vatican. Right. It's, it's so heartwarming to see all these, like, notes pour in. And 
it's a little tricky because we can't just respond to the reviewers and let right. them know, right? Right. So um, I know you were talking about this and I was talking about this and we were thinking maybe we should get people to write into the email account, parttimegenius at howstuffworks.com and send in their favorite furniture or meatball-related facts. Yes, because, because of Ikea, right? <laughs> of course. And uh, and send their uh, address and their T-shirt size, and we'll pick the best 20 um, facts and send you a T-shirt. All right, all right. So the best 20 that come in, they mm-hmm. can be about furniture or meatballs or maybe bonus points to somebody <laughs> who comes up with a, a fact that incorporates furniture and meatballs. Now, also remember we talked about in the last episode – uh, we have a new fact hotline because we're here for you. We know how many interesting things you guys have to share. That's one eight four four PT Genius. All right. So we look forward to hearing from you. And again, it's part time genius at howstuffworks dot com. So looking forward to hearing those facts. All right. Enough with the sappiness, Mango. I think we should tell people the most surprising fact we found out about IKEA to determine who gets to kick off the show. <laughs> so that's how we're going to start this off. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, I'm game off, but why don't you start? All right, the thing I'm always going to think about every time I go into an Ikea store from now on is that Haley Joel Osment was discovered in an Ikea. <laughs> what? Yeah, apparently the Burbank Ikea is a celebrity destination, and casting directors, they used to use this to set up tables in the front, and they'd take Polaroids of every kid who came into the store. I don't know if they asked permission or not, <laughs> but that's where Haley Joel was discovered. That's pretty wild. I mean, I just figured his parents were, you know, typical stage parents and forcing him to go to auditions, but... uh I really love that there's a Hollywood Ikea. It, it actually reminds me of this time my friend went to a Home Depot and this guy cut him off in the parking lot. And uh, and then the driver waved this sort of nice apology and smiled. And uh, it turned out to be Justice Scalia. The Justice Scalia? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like Supreme Court justices shop at Home Depot. They're just like us. Not 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 like Justice Gary Scalia. I love like <laughs> no, the, the state court there. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Okay, I know I'm getting off track here, but my favorite Supreme Court justice fact is that Thurgood Marshall loved soap operas. Remember this? Or at least he loved Days of Our Lives, and he watched it every single day. That that fact honestly makes me so happy. I think we um, got a little off track here. Back to IKEA. So I read this uh, super weird press release that IKEA put out that um, they are now the biggest provider of certified seafood in the world. Oh, wow. The biggest. I mean, that's just unfathomable to me. Wow, that's okay. I think you beat me with your facts. Right. <laughs> and I know we don't want to keep talking about food forever, but we should talk about it here for a bit because I found some crazy facts on this topic, too. And I know that's where you wanted to start the discussion anyway. So go yeah, for it. That, that sounds good. So actually, before I get to that, I just want to tell this quick story from when an Ikea moved into my old neighborhood a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And it kind of illustrates how savvy the company is. So a lot of people didn't want this big box store to come in. And there was all this uproar about it, right? But then Ikea did a number of really smart things. And one of them was that the bus service to the neighborhood had always been really spotty. And Ikea paid for a more frequent bus line with new buses. And that led people to the store, but also better served the neighborhood. And then they did a whole thing of hiring within the local community, which, again, made people so much more accepting of it. They built the cafe with this beautiful view of the harbor. And once the store was actually in, people had few complaints. And in fact, it kind of became this popular cheap date night. Date? Like for married people? No, it was like this ironic first date. Like you take someone on the bus and uh, eat this super cheap meal at the cafe, which had this incredible view of the Statue of Liberty. 
and then I guess uh, joke about your potential life together. <laughs> but the thing that really made the whole thing work and appealing was how cheap the food was. Uh, it's definitely a deal. I mean, I remember seeing that you can get two hot dogs and a soda for two bucks or you know, this really filling plate of pasta and meatballs for not much more than that. Yeah, so I actually looked up the menu for this episode to refresh myself, and the prices are outrageous. So that plate of pasta and meatballs, it's $3. And for a stuffed chicken with artichoke and parmesan and two sides of vegetables, it's just a dollar more. And going back to the seafood thing, you can get a nice cut of salmon for around 6 or $7. Like, they want you to be able to feed your entire family for under $20. Are we getting paid for this? Is this a, <laughs> is this a commercial for Ikea? But but I'm guessing there's more to it than this. I'm, I'm guessing Ikea is treating the food like a loss leader, you know, kind of the way the grocery stores treat milk. You get, you know, you keep the cost low. You're willing to lose a little bit of money on it to bring the customers in the door, and then you make your profits elsewhere. Sure, and, and that's what I thought too, right? But the reason I was giving you those prices is that, it's so much more clever than that, right? So everything at IKEA has a story that ties back to its folksy origin. Part of it is that the founder, Ingvar Kamprad, had this philosophy back from when he started selling goods to farmers. And he realized that no one wanted to do business hungry. So the food's sort of this down-home way of making you feel welcome. Also, there are IKEA workers who swear that the cafeteria is just a great place for indecisive couples to, like, figure out what they really want. Right. Like, They've seen these families come in, and you and I have seen this too, right, where you just see them, like, testing a couch and sitting and testing and discussing. And and then the couple goes to get a bite, and during that conversation away from the showroom, that's where they can really focus on their decision and, and decide whether or not to make a purchase. Right, right. It, it makes sense, and having a cafeteria in the building keeps you in the store. Right. So having the food there gives you one less reason to leave. And remember, IKEAs are often in remote destinations. So families have to travel to get there. But here's the real kicker and why the low-priced food is so genius. And I never would have figured this out on my own. But I read this interview in the New York Post with a former IKEA chef, and he said the food is basically a framing device. The point is, you don't actually know if $599 is a good value for an IKEA couch. It could be $100 over the worth or $100 under, and most shoppers wouldn't have a clue. But you do know hot dogs, right? And no, you know, I know hot dogs. <laughs> exactly. And you know that 50 cents for a tasty hot dog is a great deal or $3 for a plate of pasta? I mean, it's kind of the best deal you're going to get outside of cooking the food yourself. So shoppers think, if IKEA is giving me this hot dog at cost, they've got to be doing the same for the furniture. That is really smart. I mean, but although I have to say it's kind of funny to think about food being at cost because the whole store I mean, it's built on customers constructing the furniture for themselves. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Actually, you know, there's so many memes online about the assembly required furniture. Like, there, there was one that made me laugh. It was just a picture. It said, happy birthday, Ikea. We made you a cake. And then underneath, there was a bag of sugar, some flour, butter, a few <laughs> candles. And under it, it said, uh, some assembly required. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't exactly fair, but the way they use the cafe prices as a framing device, it totally works. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually brilliant. I mean, we should probably tell the listeners not to worry because we'll move off food in a minute. But before we do... There's one thing we have to talk about, meatballs. <laughs> so I was hoping you'd bring those up. I mean, meatballs are definitely IKEA's best-selling product. It's insane how much money the cafe actually brings in. I, I found this figure from 2013. The IKEA cafeteria was already doing $1.5 billion of business back then. 
But the meatballs are the linchpin to the menu, and internally, they're actually referred to as the best sofa seller. <laughs> That's true. I mean, what's amazing to me is that the meatball actually kind of encapsulates the IKEA philosophy. And why is that? Well, Oliver Roeder did this great article for 538, and he showed the economics of IKEA, and that IKEA products follow this strange kind of survival of the fittest model. So basically, any furniture that's lasted for a while, I mean, you think about the Billy Bookcase or the Lack Table or, you know, any of the all-stars from their catalog, and they've lasted because IKEA has consistently been able to tweak the product to shave costs, you know, year after year they do this. And so what this means is that they can keep offering at a lower and lower price to the customer. So when IKEA can't do that, you know, if a product can't evolve to be made cheaper, that's when they just kill it off. And and the meatballs? Well, actually, they're the epitome of that. So <laughs> not only has the company figured out how to make more profitable meatballs year after year, <laughs> but you, you, you've heard of Space 10, right? Yeah, it's uh, IKEA's secret innovation lab. They're pretty amazing. Yeah, so Space 10 is constantly eyeing the future. And one of their projects is meatball-focused. <laughs> it's, it's actually called Tomorrow's Meatball. I'm not making this up. <laughs> I really want that on a T-shirt. Yeah, I want to be on that team, the Tomorrow's <laughs> Meatball team. But they have all these prototypes from a meatball made from artificial meat grown in a lab to a 3D printed ball to a crispy bug ball. And while none of those are hitting the menu anytime soon, it does show how the company's looking at the simplest things they can do and the simplest ways they can produce these things. And even with that, they're trying to figure out how to tweak the design and serve, you know, a changing world. Hmm. While they're increasing their profits, of course. Of course, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but let's shift gears for a second because I, I want to talk about Jonathan Colton and his song, Ikea. Do you know that song? Well, I know Jonathan Colton. I don't know the song, though. <laughs> yeah, he's hilarious. But his song, Ikea, has this one lyric I love. It goes, Ikea, just some oak and some pine and a handful of Norsemen. Ikea selling furniture to college kids and divorced men. <laughs> nice. Sounds about right. <laughs> so as I was researching, I kept thinking about that line, which is obviously funny, but it occurred to me, I've always thought of Ikea as kind of a starter brand. Like, it's the thing people are drawn to in their first apartments or as they're embarking on new stages because it's reliable and stylish without breaking the bank. It's almost like the signifier that you're on the road to responsibility. But what's funny is that I read this uh, the story in The New Yorker. The the uh, the one by Lauren Collins? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's really good. But one of the many lines that struck me in it was that she referred to Ikea as the chief anthropologist of homes. And she mentions how much research the brand actually compiles to understand and then hook customers at different stages of life. Like, they know the ideal size of modern bathroom storage and what the split should be between spouses because more and more men have been um, buying more and more grooming products mm-hmm. recently. Yep. Or uh, how the IKEA Tupperware, and they reference this in their catalogs, how it's meant to accommodate the half can of tomatoes and an ounce of couscous recipe you just found. Like, it's really specific. I was going to say, that's pretty precise. <laughs> how do they know I like couscous? And they're actually designing for, like, every momentous change in your life. Yeah, the amount of information they've collected is really amazing. I actually have the eight stages of life they target. I, I printed it out here, and here are the categories. It's babies, toddlers, starting school, tweens and teens, single-slash-starting-out, single-slash-established, living together slash starting out, <laughs> and living together slash established. It's crazy just to read these things. You know, so they're looking at your life stages and, you know, the crib you suddenly have to buy as you plan to have a baby or the couch you'll want when you have your first job and then all the easy upgrades from there. So the crib turns into a toddler bed, the bookshelf you can stack next to the bookshelf when your partner moves in, 
but the targeting definitely starts early. There was this internal memo I saw that said, infant cots are our ticket to building a lifelong relationship with our core customers. <laughs> you know, um, one of the things I found fascinating was that all the design actually starts with a price. What do you mean by that? Well, if you look at the design briefs that IKEA sends around to their team, it'll be like, we need a better looking spatula for a buck fifty in gray and white. But the price IKEA wants for it is actually in the specifications from the start. And that's because cost and design, they're linked from conception. If one of them isn't there, the product never gets off the ground. Huh. I mean, that that's pretty fascinating. Well, what's also interesting to me is that they're studying and designing for the whole globe, so not just for one location. Like they figured out the elements that cut across cultures and how to sell a bed or a bookshelf that's plain enough, but also stylish enough to appeal to deal seekers in every market. So you see this even in their catalog. So the catalog in the U.S. might have a golden retriever on the couch and they'll Photoshop that out if, if you know, if it's for like the Saudi catalog. <laughs> well, they also Photoshopped the women out of the Saudi catalog, that's which true. got them a little flack. Yeah. But, uh, but your point's absolutely right. They found a couch that they can hawk across multiple markets. Right, right. And that's what keeps, you know, the cost going lower and lower, those economies of scale. Speaking of across the globe, Bloomberg used to run a Billy Bookcase Index where uh, economists listed the price of the bookcase in various cultures. And it's pretty fascinating or was fascinating to look at. It would help them understand the value of currency in, in different markets. But it's so bizarre to me that the cost was so wildly different between the markets. Like in the UAE, for example, the Billy used to cost about $45, $46. And then in Israel, it was more than twice that much. It was at $103, what? which is just crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. By the way, one thing I found really funny when I was looking at this like cross-culture stuff was that people in England really seem to hate building the furniture themselves. <laughs> and maybe this happens in other countries too, but I found a number of mom and pop shops that were specifically dedicated to like building your IKEA furniture for you. I could use that. I could use that. <laughs> All right, we're definitely going to talk flat packs and the cult of IKEA's billionaire founder, but before we do that, how about we break for a little quiz? Sounds good. Our guest today is Grady Hendricks, author of My Best Friend's Exorcism. And also the reason we have him on today's show is because he's the author of the wonderful book Horror Store, which looks like a beautifully designed IKEA catalog, but takes place in a totally different setting. The Orsk Superstore in Cleveland. Welcome to the show, Grady. Thanks for having me here. <laughs> so, Grady, I've read that you do an insane amount of research for your books. Like I, I heard that you mapped out all the weather for each day for uh for my best friend's exorcism, so so it was accurate. And um, and then I read that you interviewed a ton of people at IKEA to learn more about the stores. And I, I was curious, how did that inform your writing? You know, it's actually the reason I wound up calling it Orsk. It wasn't just because my publisher was scared we'd get sued by IKEA, <laughs> but also because everyone I talked to from IKEA, and probably I talked about a, about a dozen folks who worked there, unprompted, they all said really nice things about Ikea, and that's really rare for people who work in retail. But, you know, as far as it goes, it's a pretty decent employer. Um, you know, no one is murdered uh, or turned <laughs> into, like, protein bars for the other um, other employees. No one's turned into meatballs for the cafeteria. They all go home with all their body parts at the end of the day. Strange. And I think as far as big box retail goes in the U.S., that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do have to ask, though, having having done this book, are, are you banned from Ikea's? No, but I sort of self-banned myself. I spent so much time in them while I was writing it. 
And then I didn't go in one for about a year and a half. And I went in and one in New York to do an interview with someone right when the book was coming out. And they're all laid out the same. And I suddenly started getting this real panic reaction, like, oh, my God, where am I? Am I in my book? Am I in somewhere real? Am I, I mean, in Florida? What? It really was disorienting. So um, I only order Ikea online now. That's pretty great. <laughs> and and what about the idea to design this as a catalog? It's it's so inventive. The, did you uh, did you come up with that from the start, or was that something you imposed on it later? No, that was actually Jason, my editor's idea, and he that was that was his baby from the beginning in terms of this will look like an IKEA catalog. <laughs> And then the nice thing about Twerk is because it's so small, they actually listen to the author when you talk about design and they let you be involved with that conversation. And so Jason and Andy Reid, the designer, and myself, we just started to feed off of each other. You know, well, what if we had a furniture description beginning of each chapter? Well, what if they change? You know, and then I have written catalog copy and stuff in the past. So, you know, everything in there, right down to the small print on the order form, I insisted on sort of doing <laughs> myself, which was a really poor idea. I, I I've got to say I I love Quirk like I I really think that they they play so well with authors and and they and so so much attention goes to all the detail I I really love that so so is is will will your next project be with Quirk and if so what are you working on next Yeah the next book I have coming out from them is um it's called Paperbacks from Hell and it's actually a nonfiction book coming out this September that's about um, the history of horror paperbacks in the 70s and 80s. I think everyone who was alive around them remembers those really lurid covers with the foil and the embossing and the die cuts that showed, you know, a, a girl's face. And then you open it up and it's like, oh, and it seems on the end of a bear carrying a sword. <laughs> like, you know, it's um, and, and those sort of disappeared in the early 90s. And. I read those and write about them a little online just for kicks. And Jason was like, do you want to do a book of these? So the result is Paperbacks from Hell has got a ton of art in it. And it really goes a lot about the artists and who did the covers and how this sort of lived and died and why you should be scared of Nazi leprechauns and why not leprechauns are Nazis in the first place. <laughs> oh, I can't wait <laughs> to see this awesome. one. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so what game are we playing today with Grady Mango? Uh, we're going to play a little game called Kitchen Good from Ikea or Word the Swedish Chef Says. Okay, well, if you speak whatever language the Swedish chef does, this should be easy. And we'll give you a word, and you just tell us whether it's an Ikea kitchen good or something the Swedish chef says. So are you ready, Grady? You should know my palms are already sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think you'll do better than you expect. All right, here we go. Number one, Elverdam, Ikea product or something the Swedish chef says. I'm going to go with Ikea product. Yeah, one for one. See, it's better a than... beautiful <laughs> faucet. All right. Oh, okay. Man. Okay, good. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll help him out with some, some uh, pronunciation as well. And the next one is Gurndy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to go with the Swedish chef. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. Oh, yeah, you want to say it in a sentence? Yeah, well, I, I think I remember this from the sentence, Gersh Gurndy, Morndy, Burndy, Burndy, if I'm not mistaken, right? Okay, he's two for two. Number three, Baganas. I believe that's an Ikea product. Gosh, it you're is. so good at this. Three for three. <laughs> what, 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 what are Baganas? Uh, they're a fancy knob for your drawers. Okay, a fancy knob for your drawers. Two more. Here we go. Number four, Farney. You know, I, I, I'm going to guess, but I'm going to use the, the tried and true tradition of one for, you know, one one way, one the other, and I'm going to say Swedish chef. You might recognize it from the sentence, sure to chicky and to Farney hug. So, well <laughs> These done. These are real quotes from, yes. from Muppets movies. Yes, they are. All right. 
For the perfect score, let's go for number five. Beansy. Beansy. Okay, I'm going to stick with my with my guessing pattern and go with Ikea. Oh, it's the uh, only one he missed, <laughs> but that, that this was the... No. Uh, so did Beansy Bouncy Burger, eh? So... Uh, <laughs> I'm so good at this. All right. Well, how has Grady done today, Mango? Grady did an amazing four for five, which is enough to earn him our grand prize. Total admiration. Well done, Grady. Thank you so much for joining. We can't wait to see your next project, Paperbacks from Hell. But thank you again for writing Horror Store and for being on Part-Time Genius. Thank you for not letting me embarrass myself too badly. of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius. And we were about to talk flat packs. All right, so do you like putting together IKEA furniture, Mango? So I know there are all these things about the furniture, like there are some couples therapists who make couples build a piece of furniture together to work through their communications oh, issues. Oh, that sounds <laughs> terrible. I don't think I could do that with anybody. But, I mean, how many lopsided tables and chairs do you have to make before you realize you're either right or wrong for somebody? I also like that the furniture is used in robotics, though, like having a robot watch humans assemble an IKEA piece in different ways and then they determine the most efficient way, and that that's kind of become this common exercise in robotics. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And uh, and to tell you the truth, I actually love putting together IKEA furniture because I'm not super handy, but it reminds me of those snap type model kits from when I was a kid. Like you just snap all these parts in place, and voila, it's just so satisfying. Wow, speak for yourself. I, <laughs> I'm not a fan, but it, it is funny that you mention that because there's actually a name for that, and it's called the IKEA effect. So Harvard Business School has actually done studies on this. And the weirder part is that you end up with a bias. And I, I'm, I'm quoting here, it says, you place a disproportionately higher value 
on the IKEA furniture that you make because your handiwork has gone into it. Huh. That's kind of like those uh, cake mixes from the 50s. You know about these, right? I don't. Well, when they used to make cake mixes initially, the eggs weren't actually necessary for the instant cake mixes, but they couldn't get housewives to buy them because it didn't really feel like cooking. It was almost like cheating. Huh. But when a brand started adding, cracking a few eggs to make the batter, suddenly the product took off. It kind of like tricked people into feeling like they were making more of a cake somehow. Right, right. And, and that might be part of why we're a little more reluctant to get rid of their IKEA furniture. <laughs> and, it, you know, it sticks around a little bit longer than it should because of that that pride of what they've built. But, <laughs> you know, that's not why IKEA flat packs their furniture. It actually has a great origin story. Oh, I, I actually know this, but you should definitely tell it to the listeners. Okay. Well, our, our story goes back to this guy, Gillis Lundgren. And by the time he joined IKEA, it was already this bustling regional furniture business. But the furniture was bulky, and it came pre-assembled, and it was pretty expensive to ship. So London goes on to manage the catalog and design a bunch of furniture later. But in the early 1950s, he was just trying to transport a leaf-shaped table to a photo shoot. It was clunky and couldn't fit in his car, and so he took the legs off to make it fit, and that's when inspiration struck. But flatpack furniture has existed for way longer than that, right? Yeah, actually, an- another Swedish designer mm. had come up with a flatpack chair a few years before, but it-, it wasn't all that well known. And this is all part of the IKEA lore now, but according to some versions, and these are the ones that, that I believe, Lundgren had to really lobby the company's founder, Ingvar Kamprad, to change the flatpack. And and there are other less likely tellings where Ingvar was pushing the table into a car with Lundgren and they came up with this idea together. So who knows the exact story, but it was something along these lines. Yeah, so there's a phrase in Konkani, the language my family speaks, that a story has been told with meat and masala. And it means like a story has been seasoned with salt and spice to make it more juicy or appealing. Huh, we didn't have that phrase in Alabama <laughs> for some reason, but I do love meat and masala. But we'll talk about Ingvar and his legend in a bit because he's definitely a genius, but obviously comes with some issues too. But what's definitely true is that Flatpak changed the business prospects completely. So over the years, the company started referring to air as their enemy. And when you pack things that flat, not only are you transferring the cost of assembly to your buyer, so you know, so you can lower the price and underbid the competition, but it basically has all these other advantages. And uh, what, what are those? Well, actually, there's this, this great Fast Company piece by John Browley on this, and here's what he points out. All right, so he says, first, you can keep way more furniture in stock because you only need, you know, a few models, and then you can keep the rest in, in volume and in, in back. And, and it's also way easier to transport. So IKEA was shipping 10 times as many bookcases or desks or whatever it was as the competition for basically the same amount of spend on gas. And this is the point I would never have figured out. But Bradley said that the boxy aesthetic that's taken over the globe, that's also coming from the flat pack design. <laughs> that's kind of amazing. And clearly IKEA's genius, as you pointed out earlier, is by making these products in bulk and then iterating on them so they just get cheaper and cheaper. Yeah, you know, the IKEA mugs, which are so popular, mm-hmm. I mean, the reason they've lasted is that they have this really tiny handle, and it's just this little circle on the top of a conical mug, but that ends up being, you know, what allows them to stack a ton more of these mugs on top of one another. I mean, they're just geniuses in reducing the amount of air in between each of their products. (laughs) So the thing about IKEA is there's really so much to cover, but let's talk just for a little bit about Ingvar, because he's fascinating. I mean, he was basically an entrepreneur from the time he was a kid, And by 18, he'd been given a little money from his dad, uh, mostly for doing well in school, despite his dyslexia. And he turned that money into a little catalog business that kept growing and growing. 
Also, I, I love that he grew up in Smallland. Like, I always thought Smallland, the kid's babysitting part of Ikea, was just a cute name, but it's a reference to his hometown. <laughs> That's true. I saw that as well. <laughs> you know, he's kind of a mythic figure at Ikea, and his farm boy common sense or thrift is a big part of the company ethos. Like, there's this one story about Ingvar looking at a case of geese in a refrigerator in China and asking, so what happens to those feathers? <laughs> like, he spotted that deal, and everyone in the company knows about it. And he lives that way, too. I mean, his homes are all furnished exclusively in Ikea. He drives this old Volvo. And for his 90th birthday, he was interviewed and he was supposedly wearing clothes that he found at a thrift store. <laughs> Which, you know, I mean, he's he's one of the richest billionaires in the world. But as we mentioned in the tax episode way back when, uh, there's a lot of secrecy at the company and it's not without its dark past. But before we get into that, why don't we pause for a quiz? All right, Mango, so for our second quiz today, we decided to find a couple of people who have actually assembled IKEA furniture before, <laughs> and we didn't have to go very far for this, did we? Oh, we placed this uh, wide call out, and we walked a few steps from our desk to get this. That's right, that's right. So we have a few friends from here at the uh, How Stuff Works family, Noel Brown and Ben Bolin. They're the hosts of one of my favorite shows here at How Stuff Works called Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. Welcome, guys. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having us. For sure. All right. I have to tell you, actually, just this morning, I was listening to uh, your most recent episode on this continuation of government plan and on bunkers mm. and like what happens with the government after either a nuclear attack or something that may happen that causes mass chaos. And it was awesome, guys. Such a great interview. Tell us a little bit about that one. Oh, sure. Yeah. So we interviewed uh, Garrett Graff, who is a, a pretty prolific author and a um, favorite of ours uh, when it comes to credible investigations into stuff they want you to know. It turns out that in the United States for decades, uh, the U.S. government has spent uh quite a bit of financial effort, quite a bit of blood, sweat, and tears in creating top-secret bunkers that will allow not everyone, but the people they deem important to the continuation of the U.S. government <laughs> yeah. uh, to survive anything from a widespread plague to an act of God to a nuclear disaster. I was sadly absent for this episode, so I look forward to consuming it just like you guys did. And it sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It and was spoiler. It was. The bunkers are filled with Ikea. Right. <laughs> right yeah, there is a uh, several of the bunkers are uh, produced by Ikea, so they can be easily disassembled and reassembled. <laughs> they're, they're like those little uh, kind of pre-made rooms that you see in the showroom, you know, yeah, yeah. like the double decker bunk beds with the desk underneath. There was another episode that I loved from you guys recently where you interviewed actually the founder of, of How Stuff Works, Marshall Brain. Marshall and it was about uh, mm -hmm. life on Mars. You know, something we don't really think about it after the efforts to get to Mars. There's so much talk about, like, how do we get to Mars? And then there's not as much thought from a lot of people about, like, OK, we're here now. How the heck do we actually live here? You know, <laughs> we tried to caveat that one as much as possible as being a thought experiment. Right. You know, right, so right. we got a lot of a little bit of flack. People saying we were kind of like promoting communism because a lot of the ideas of, you know, how do we start a society from scratch? You end up with some little nuggets of uh, right. kind of communism kind of thought in there. But sure, we, we tried to look at both sides. And, and Marshall was a very gracious guest and a very interesting, intelligent guy. It was a yeah. lot of fun to talk to him about this uh, crazy yeah. stuff. And so he, uh, interesting. Yeah, he, uh, is, uh, he is also uh, wants us to make sure every time we mention that episode to uh, let people know that you can go to marshallbrain.com and you can write to him directly uh, with 
any uh, praise or feedback. All right. Well, something almost as heavy as the continuation of government plan and bunkers. <laughs> we're going to play a quiz here. Mango, what, what quiz are we putting these guys up to today? Uh, we're playing a little game called Boys of Ikea. All right. Ooh, okay. <laughs> as All it right. turns out, I'm a proud owner of both a mom, a schmool, and some yarn. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mango, this is the second IKEA products quiz we're doing today. I don't know, if I, I know but they're so fun. <laughs> That's true. Well, as you might know, IKEA has different naming schemes for their furniture. So, carpets are often Danish place names, or the lighting might be chemistry terms. But today we're quizzing you on furniture that's named after common boys' names, okay? So this is what we're going to do. We're going to show you a picture of a piece of furniture, and then we'll give you a clue, and you just have to tell us the boy's name, okay? You got this? All so this right. is what okay. we're going to do. We, Mango has these very helpful pictures <laughs> here. I know just looking at that chair, you it's immediately kind of know a giveaway, it. but we have to give clues for the listeners at home. That's How right. Could that possibly be a giveaway? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and because you're competing against each other and because we don't have buzzers, we're going to ask you to either moo or caca when you know the answer. So, uh can we do either? <laughs> no. Or do we have to commit to one? one. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So, uh, would you like to move? Uh, sure, I'll take the move. Or moo. would you rather caca? Uh, I could see you eyeballing the caca. Yeah, I was eyeballing the caca. No, no, move, Benel caca. Okay, here we go. All right, you guys ready to play? Yeah. Okay, let's show them picture number mm -hmm, one. Mango. This is picture number one. Okay, here we go. This folding bar stool with backrest doubles as the name of the first African American character from the Peanuts. Name that Ikea boy. Panic? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, um, he's, okay, I'm, I'm he gonna shares just... a name with a Roosevelt. Sh oh, uh, Kaka, uh, Franklin. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. One to nothing. Here we go. Question, I'll work on my Kaka. Sorry, question guys. number two. Yeah, let's, let's, let's work on the Kaka. Okay, okay. here we go. All right. Although this dining chair was retired, the tennis player who shares its name just won his eighth Wimbledon and shows no signs of slowing down. Can you name that Ikea boy? His last name is Federer. Kaka! All right, Ben. Uh, Kevin. <laughs> See, I was thinking Kevin Federer. <laughs> That's, that I was he, he, he was not, I don't know what he actually so I, does. I, I think Noel gets that point by default. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's actually Roger. Roger. There we go. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. All right. Funny that we were on the same wavelength. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it in your eyes. Hey, <laughs> K-Fed. There we go. All right. Question number three. Uh -huh. These stackable chairs were easy to move thanks to the hole in the backrest. The furniture also shares its name with the patriarch of the Munster family on television. All right. Who is it? Herman. Yes. Herman <laughs> Munster. Well done. I think we're okay. It's two to one. Noel, is that right? Mm -hmm. That is. Okay. Number four. This leather and steel bar stool shares its name with a Caesar, the one who was kidnapped by pirates and then demanded that they up their ransom because he was worth much more than what they were asking. All right, I'll take the bait. Kaka! Okay, let's hear it. Uh, it's going to be wrong, though. Julius? Yes. Yeah, correct. Oh, oh, all time oh. yourself. Wow. <laughs> all right, the big tiebreaker here, number five. Oof, okay, I'm feeling it. Here's the here's the photo. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's, that thing looks the same as number one. Okay, here we go. All right. And three. This is such great, such great audio when we're showing pictures. All right, here we go. This modern folding chair shares its first name with an American writer. After he wrote The Raven, children would run up to him on the street. Hold up, let me finish the question. And then, I think that they, 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 they
Uh, after he wrote The Raven, children would run up to him in the street, flapping their wings and cawing nevermore. Let's let you guys on the count of three say it together. One, two, three. Edgar. Nice. What? Are we tied up? I what think we're tied. Team. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what does that mean, Mango? They tied. Uh, well, uh, we'll give them a time because we don't want to start an office fight. We're, uh, we're going to give them each a $5 gift card to Ikea, the cheapest gift card you can get to Ikea. <laughs> That'll get you like a schmoll. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. God, no, no, we're going to the cafeteria. <laughs> that is enough for their Swedish meatball dinner. That's a lot dinner. of meatballs. That's <laughs> a lot of meatballs. Well, I hope everyone uh, will, listening will check out stuff they don't want you to know. Guys, thanks so much for joining Thank us. You Thank so you. Much. Thank you. This is fun. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. So I don't want to get too deep into this, but we were going to talk a little bit about Ingvar's darker history. Right. So the company definitely makes use of tax shelters, and IKEA itself is registered as a nonprofit. But for a company that does $30 billion or more in sales, there's not a lot of uh, nonprofit work to show. But I think the thing that really shocked me is that Ingvar had been part of a far-right Swedish party when he was younger. He was a fan of this fascist Per Engdahl, and at first it sounded to the press pretty superficial. And then it became clear he'd done some heavy recruiting for the party and had a police file. Anyway, he's apologized for it, and he's called it the silly phase in his life. And it's something he regrets, but... He only does interviews with journalists he vets now, and he keeps a really tight control over the narrative. But all of that's complicated by the fact that there's also been some concern that the company's really insular, and that upper management is almost all from small land. Supposedly, you can't make it up in the company if you don't come from that region. Hmm. Well, uh, on the other hand, once those comments came out, the company did make a big effort to diversify. Yeah, and by all accounts, they have. 
And the workers have really high satisfaction ratings. Like they get great gifts at the holidays. And um, Ikea used to use this MIT living wage calculator. And they did that so that they could make sure employees in different regions all got paid well or well enough to live. And now they're really trying to be a force for environmental good, too. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot packed in there. And there's this book from a former employee that I guess got a lot of press and it talks about Ingvar with pride, but also describes the infighting that goes on to please him, which, you know, supposedly he stirs that up. But whatever else, he's still this pretty beloved figure in Sweden. But before we go, let's break from this topic and talk a little bit about one of the things I think is just genius. And that's how the store flows. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the, you know, the gentle way a grocery store guides you along. And how's that? Well, you know how grocery stores try to lead you counterclockwise. And and that's because most people are right-handed, which I know that sounds like fake marketing mm-hmm. advice, but <laughs> because most people are closer to the shelves with their right hand, there's actually a 7 or 8% increase in sales when stores switch to that direction. Yeah, I remember reading that if you walk the store in the opposite direction, you'll actually spend less. And even though I know that, like, I can't fight the current. I always have to go with the flow. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it. And Ikea is even more like that. The whole store is intended to be this lazy river that pulls you along and Every 50 feet or so, there's a curve in the path because there's always supposed to be something enticing hiding right around the corner. You know, in fact, according to Lauren Collins' piece, she says any long stretch that doesn't make a turn is referred to as an autobahn, <laughs> which is code for, as she says, a big, boring mistake. I love that. So um, I actually know what you mean. Like when I've been in the stores, it really does feel like a giant maze moving in one direction and it's kind of all pulling you towards the register. I'm not sure if you remember this, but Jess Hollinger did this piece for Metal Flossom years ago. I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, and, and she talked to a bunch of IKEA employees, and one of the things she discovered was that there are actually all these hidden shortcuts in every IKEA. Like, there are unmarked doors that'll take you upstairs or downstairs, or little entrances between a bedroom department that'll take you to the carpet section, and you can skip through four or five sections. It's, it actually feels to me like one of those, uh, pipes in Super Mario Brothers that lets you like <laughs> skip to the end of a level or something. Right. But uh, I've got to tell you, the last time I got stuck in an Ikea for way too long, I started scouting for the secret passageways and using them, and it made my trip so much more fun. Wait, you can do this? So that did no, <laughs> nobody tried to stop you from doing this? Yeah, that's the best part. I mean, those passageways are mostly there to be helpful for workers, but they're also there in case of emergencies. And as long as the door doesn't say employees only, Ikea won't really hassle you about poking around. I mean, this is the same store that lets uh, customers in China sleep on their beds for hours. (laughs) Actually, speaking of those, I love those photos of people test driving, you know, the merchandise there. Uh Uh-huh. Well, the other thing an employee told Mental Floss was that the stores will actually change the pathways every once in a while. So maybe that uh, the hide-and-seek enthusiasts you talked about in the beginning don't get too familiar with them. (laughs) Well, it's also interesting how much business IKEA does in impulse buys. You know, like once you're past the furniture and all the things you came to buy— the last part of the Ikea store is actually called the open the wallet section. <laughs> and that's where all the things you need but would never come to an Ikea specifically for. They're waiting for you right there. It could be anything from a plastic picnic plate to a $2 vase, but it's at such steep discounts that you just can't resist. <laughs> well, that's the magic of the bulla bulla. That's right. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but like every single article I read about IKEA mentioned how they have this special way of stacking a hundred different items into a bin just to accentuate how affordable all the stuff is. 
That and the fact that they always keep like shopping bags every 50 feet, so you never have an excuse not to pick up more stuff. Well, and it clearly works. I mean, on the one hand, Ikea feels so folksy, and yet the brand is so big, it's just dizzying. I mean, like, people always mention how one out of every 10 Europeans was conceived on an Ikea bed. Yeah, that's such a crazy stat. And I actually read a funny line in The Atlantic about it. They called Ikea beds the literal cradle of humanity. But you also hear that stat a lot about how Ikea uses 1% of the world's wood to make its furniture. Yeah, I mean, that, that's right. But the thing that really brought it home for me was this line from the New Yorker piece. Let me, let me just read it here. It says, uh, when Ikea stopped selling incandescent light bulbs last year, 626 million people became environmentalists. I mean, it's just stunning. Yeah, it's crazy how big they are. But um, speaking of stunning, why don't we do a little fact off while we're, uh, while we're on the subject? All right. Okay, here's one to kick it off. So in the Netherlands, IKEA had to stop offering a one euro breakfast on weekends because the country's roads couldn't accommodate the traffic. <laughs> That's insane. So here's something I didn't realize. About 75% of the IKEA catalog is CGI now. No way. Uh, yeah, That's... not only is the computer-generated catalog cheaper for the company, but it makes it easier to tweak the catalog for different markets. Wow, that's impressive. All right, here's a crazy thing I learned. So we pronounce IKEA wrong. In America, what? we call it IKEA, but it's actually IKEA. <laughs> so we talked a little about uh, the naming system in the quiz earlier, but the reason all the bookcases are boys' names or professions or the bedding is all named for flowers and plants, it's because Ingvar is dyslexic. It was an easier taxonomy than numbers for him to keep track of everything. Hmm. All right, I kind of love that. All right, here's something that's totally bonkers. So in 1973, the company was growing so fast, it accidentally opened an Ikea in the wrong town in Germany. <laughs> yeah, apparently it was supposed to go up in uh, Konstanz, but it went up in Koblenz instead. I mean, anybody can make that mistake, though. Yeah, even though that fact makes no sense to me, I, I love it. So uh, I'm going to let you walk away with the belt this week. And uh, for those of you listening at home, don't forget to write us at parttimegenius at howstuffworks.com. And please send in your favorite meatball and uh, furniture facts. A lot of you are going to walk away with T-shirts. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks again for listening. Part-Time Genius is a production of How Stuff Works and wouldn't be possible without several brilliant people who do the important things we couldn't even begin to understand. Tristan McNeil does the editing thing. Noel Brown made the theme song and does the mixy-mixy sound thing. <laughs> Jerry Rowland does the exact producer thing. Gabe Luzier is our lead researcher with support from the research army, including Austin Thompson, Nolan Brown, and Lucas Adams. And Eves Jeffcoat gets the show to your ears. Good job, Eves. If you like what you heard, we hope you'll subscribe. And if you really, really like what you've heard, maybe you could leave a good review for us. Do we, do we forget Jason? Jason who? Time 
Independence Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And hmm. not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.